everyone. Welcome to episode 146 of 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff. This week, we are missing Andy and Jeff as they are out of the country for a few weeks. But we were lucky enough to have a more than competent, albeit on a rare occasion, replacement in our very own executive pastor, John Monday. Welcome, John, to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here and happy to be described as competent. Uh, more than competent. More than competent. More That's than better competent. yet. The first time I met John that I can remember was in a Bible study class here at the hospital church one Saturday morning. And I was left to wonder who was the guy with all the deep thoughts and good answers. I had to meet him. So if you get a chance to pick his brain, don't let the opportunity pass you by. Stop John Monday in the hall. Stop him in the foyer. Catch him on his way out of Sabbath school class. You know, you get those doors. It's kind of a, a log jam there. Stop John and get his opinion. You'll generally find me close to the coffee. <laughs> That's another reason I like John. So last week was week two of this Bold Ask series. And we decided that maybe most importantly, we should remember that all things are possible to the one who believes. That was a really, really powerful message and one that has generated some really good feedback. Feedback in any way at any organization is some of the hardest information to get your hands on. Unless someone is unhappy, well, then, of course, it's more accessible than we would prefer and probably more emphatic than we would prefer. But I'm excited to share some of the good stuff with you that originated from last week's message and podcast. This series has already impacted many people to consider this bold communication with God in ways they have not or have not in quite a while thought about. I want to share with you a voicemail from one of our members, Connie Schneider, after listening to last week's message and podcast and sharing both programs on what God had put on her heart to share with her extended family. This is what she sent to us via a voicemail. Hey, Rand. This is Connie. I just wanted to tell you and Andy how much I enjoyed the Bold Ask sermon and podcast. Uh, both were excellent and so timely. I shared both with my entire family. Our, one of our members, Becky, is um, in the fire right now with reoccurring cancer, and I told her this information was for her. I reminded the family of the three Hebrews being delivered from the fiery furnace. Uh, we know that believers will be delivered from the fires of, of life, either from the fire, in the fire, or through the fire, when we die and wait for Jesus to wake us up and take us to heaven. So as we were praying for Becky, I asked the family to remember all the times that God has delivered us in the fire. We were amazed at the list we came up with, and we have been praising God ever since. So thank you so much for reminding us to take time to remember what God has done for us and answered prayer. Then if you'll indulge me a bit more, Becky listened to the sermon on Monday. Then she said she opened her mail. Her The hospital had billed $40,000 for her first cancer treatment. Well, who can afford that? She was devastated. So she said she made the bold ask and started making calls. It seems the insurance pays 100%. So she can now have her second $40,000 cancer treatment this week without any worries. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Love you. Keep up the good work. Bye. Okay, in full transparency, she's my aunt. So that was the love you part. And I love her too. Praise God that he chooses to use each of us working together, sharing together, and praying together to uplift those in need. What a cool situation. And what she also had told us in an email was now the new focus, the new bold ask was going to be healing. So now that we've got past the money part, let's use our next bold ask to go for healing and see how that goes. Each week we digest a message in the moment 
and gather our thoughts and ideas to put what we've learned and been reminded of into action. And here on the podcast, we try to present the message from a different angle with additional thoughts and insights. We use all of the FHC takeaways as conversation continuers. This voicemail and the answer to the bold ask is a good reminder to share what you see, share what you hear, and share what you believe. And sharing the weekly message in this podcast with people that God puts in your path is an outpouring of our mission to be a church without walls, fully engaged in serving our community. My bold ask of God is that he continues to use our church to plant seeds for his kingdom. And my bold ask of you is that you would consider sharing our conversations and trust that God will bless our efforts. All right, on to this week, the bold ask of two thieves. Uh, This message was packed with everything one could need for a good bout of insomnia, John. (laughs) Now, before you go and fill in any blanks with what you think, I mean, let me say that my soon-to-be teenager was impacted seriously by this message, which is no small task when it comes to just to simply sit and listen. That's an accomplishment. Three days later, and questions and comments still linger in our heads and around our dinner table and in our hearts. And for me, when I can't sleep, these are the type of things my mind likes to get to work on to understand, to pray about, to think about, and to implement changes in my life when even a little bit of understanding or perceived understanding comes. So we're talking about one of the most well-known Christian stories and historical events, and yet I have never heard it framed quite this way before. What was your inspiration in preparing for this message, and has it changed your view of the bold ask when you're dealing with the thief on the cross? Well, in recent years, the thief on the cross, Dismas, has just, he's become one of my favorite characters in the Bible. There's obviously not a lot there about him, but but what he did and what is recorded about him is, uh, it's just so profound to me. And also, the Christian perspective that I come from is one of believing in this paradoxical idea, one that that I, at least, and I believe everybody, but I'll just speak for myself, am completely depraved. There's no good in me. As Paul (laughs) says, you know, all of my righteousness is as filthy rags. Oh, my goodness. That's depressing a little bit, John. Yet on the other hand, the God of the universe, the creator of all that is, values me so highly that he gave his son that I might live together with him forever. And and a really cool thing in Jewish thought is that you can hold these two ideas, these paradoxical ideas together. Hmm. And um, this is what the thief on the cross was. He did nothing to warrant his own salvation. And I think it's the picture that none of us do. And I just love the story. So the past two weeks, we've been talking about demons, And we've got no demons this week, but instead someone who we as modern day Christians often demonize to an extent, the rich young ruler. Right. He's always been the camel in the eye of the needle, greedy guy that Jesus more or less made an example of, at least in my mind, until we look in the mirror and see that same guy staring back at us. And then we dislike him even more. Oh, man, I see myself in him sometimes. Well, I think most of us do. Another one of the ironies, maybe the paradox is, I think the place that we need to get to seeing ourselves like is the thief. But too often we see ourselves as the rich young ruler. I know I certainly did. I was like, well, I I have a lot. I do a lot. And Jesus, are you going to ask me for it? Because that doesn't sound great (laughs) It doesn't sound appealing The, The funny thing was, as a child at least, I felt like Jesus asked some people for some stuff. And he asked some people for everything, and some people he didn't ask for much. 
And so I wanted to be one of the ones that he didn't ask, ask for, for much, yeah. you know? Uh, <laughs> but I think ultimately the truth is when we understand our true relationship with God, he does indeed ask everybody for everything. Yeah. And paradoxically, it's not enough. Right. We need him. Like so it. I don't know where that question started, but uh, that's, that's where no, it went. No, that landed perfectly because I think it was, I think there's so many layers to both of these people. When you talk about the rich young ruler and you talk about Dismas, there's so many things that you could, un, it's like an onion, just keep, you keep peeling and there's a little bit more, like you said, paradoxical. There's this you could learn, there's this you could learn and there's contrast, but there's also similarities. And was the rich young ruler, was his a bold ask as much as it was a bragging on his good deeds and an A plus in law keeping? Well, what do you, I, what do you think? I think he probably saw it as a bold ask because yeah. he was ready to do a lot, but I don't think it was a bold ask at all. It was probably not as genuine as the thief's bold ask. Doesn't Interestingly, though, you know, you say that a lot of people like to villainize the rich young ruler. Yeah. I think most Christian tradition likes to believe that he ultimately came around. And, and I like to believe that as well. And there's a part in the story. Interesting, when when Christ was talking to him, it wasn't like when he was talking to a Pharisee. You know, he dressed down the Pharisees and Sadducees sure. a lot. They got short. They, <laughs> yeah. they got the short end of the stick a whole bunch. Yeah. But when he was talking to and about the rich young ruler, the scripture says he looked at him and loved him. Jesus didn't judge right. or condemn either his actions or his motives. It's always interesting to me that the way you just described that is often how I think about Jesus when, in this instance, he asks a question and Jesus gives him almost a shorter response. He's not going to elaborate. He's not going to dive into deep conversations. He's not going to try to answer everything for you. He's leaving a little bit of it, little bit of it there to just make you think, now, does he mean everything? And like you said, if he said, well, okay, there you go, Jesus. I'm going to sell everything. I did it. All right. Now what? Right. Would there have been something else? Jesus was a few things, obviously. From a human perspective, he was a rabbi. Yeah. He was a wise teacher and leader, and people respected that in him. Obviously, he was God as well. Gives him a lot of pretty good insight. Uh, you know, is, that, you, is that what it was, John? You, you would think. Yeah. Uh, but... Um, <laughs> One of the things, and I didn't mention it during the sermon, but I think is really interesting, is the rich young ruler comes up and asks Jesus, what do I have to do? And Jesus starts running down the list. Interestingly, and I don't know the significance of this, I'll just throw it out there. Sure. When Jesus lists the, the commandments that he needs to keep, he lists the six commandments that have to do with man's dealing with man, and he leaves out the four commandments that have to do with man's dealing with God. Yeah. Uh, and I'll have to study that sometime to understand why. But I think the Jesus is very economical in this story in getting to the point. Yeah. Because when the rich young ruler said, I've kept all those from my youth. Yeah, from the beginning. Well, I've read enough of the Bible to know uh, Jesus could have called him out then. <laughs> yeah, he could he? <laughs> yeah. he, he could have said, really? Really? You've really, you've, you've never lusted. You've never, yeah. you know. He didn't get he down and write anything in the sand. No. So so we're left to believe if we just follow the story that the rich young ruler lived a perfect life. We know that's not, not true. true. Yeah. So I think Jesus was just being as economical as he needed to be to make the to point make he point. needed to make. Okay. Well, it's funny that you said that they referenced only those 
commandments that dealt with man dealing with man. In my back of my head, I was like, well, as I'm reading that list off when you sent me the manuscript, I'm like, there's a theme here. And I wasn't smart enough to pull it all together. But when you said it, it made perfect sense because I'm like, well, there's not 10 here. It's not like you went through every single one of them. And I didn't put those two together. But that would be interesting. Hey, Andy, Jeff, now see, this is why you're supposed to be here. You're supposed to tell us what this stuff to, means. To fill in the theological detail. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're listening from wherever it is you might be listening from, uh, go ahead and send us a text, 407-965-1607. Or you can send me a voicemail. We'll play yours. And if you're not Andy and week. Jeff and you know the answer. Absolutely. You- Absolutely. Send it in. <laughs> Send it in anyway. Well, when you contrast the what we were just talking about with the rich young ruler to that of Dismas, who, I mean, he's kept no law. He has no honor. He's not dignified in any way. And likely there's not even any good works from which he might summon the courage for perhaps the bold ask of all time. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And being that he was a Jew, as you went over, and the intense pressure to learn and remember, is Dismas the poster child for train up a child in the way he should go? And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Is that what we're talking about here? Well, I think Dismas throws real conundrum at we parents. I'm glad my <laughs> kids are sort of, you know, up into their upper teens now. So I don't have to worry about that level of, of yeah. teaching. Again, it's one of these huge paradoxes yeah. to me because you, you want to teach your children to grow up properly. And at the same time, if you've done the very best job to teach them to do well, to serve well, to love, to engage in their community, to give themselves away, then you also have to help them understand that they're still sinners in need of a Savior. Yeah. So that's one of the great conundrums of Christianity, I think, is teach them the object lessons of how to live, but also that that's not where their value and worth comes from. Yeah. It was just interesting to me that when you were talking about the rabbi and during this period where there was such a concentration of learning and of remembering and this, you know, this focus. And then here's this guy sitting next to Jesus. Cause as a kid, this story used to almost scare me more. Well, it scared me more and I disliked it more than the rich young ruler, because on the other hand, I would always be afraid of what if, Jesus says, Randy, you've got to give away everything. Well, no, but not this, but not my car, not my this, not my whatever. But then this story, I was raised with the idea that if you went to bed and forgot to say your prayers and you didn't ask for forgiveness and you had done something that made the list, and as a teenager, you can only imagine what that might entail on that list, then, I mean... You didn't repent, so I guess if Jesus comes back before you wake up in the morning, then I guess you're going to hell. Wow. Because that was uh, that's really what I thought about. Because this story, it's like, well, wait a minute. How does this guy get off? So, he so waited to the last minute. So Dismas has an advantage in that way because he's like, he asked for forgiveness straight to Jesus' face, and he had no the, way of doing any sin before, between that and dying, right? Yeah. It was yeah. almost, as I got older, it then became, well, now wait a minute. If it's good enough for this guy, why can't you just live your life the way you want to and do anything the world tells you is fine and things that might seem glittery and shiny and fun and whatever. And then at some point you'll just say, Jesus, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And that's it. Well, Dismas has given a lot of Christians a lot of problems for (laughs) millennia. Yeah, yes. Um, (laughs) So first, I wouldn't want to let it go without 
helping to disavow the notion because I don't think you're the only one. No, and, I don't think so. I think either. a I lot of people. children are. And I know I've talked to people so many times who feel like if they mess up and don't do whatever it is they need to do to be penitent in the yeah. interim and things go south, then you end up in hell. And let me just say, absolutely, positively, that is not the way Thank that you, God works. Thank you, John Monday. I was hoping it, that's exactly where you were headed. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> I mean, God is the author of our faith. He's the worker of our faith, and he's the completer of our faith. It's not us. We don't have a bad day and end up in hell. Yeah. It does not happen. Okay. Now, we might get pushback on that, but they'll be wrong. That's so, <laughs> okay. So we can do that. But, you know, it's funny. As you, you read a lot about Dismas, there are a lot of people that have to come up with something more yeah. than the story why he was saved. And there's tons of Christian writers throughout the ages that say he was a good person who did this and that, but he went off track. And some say, you know, well, he had been baptized, and but then he still did these things, and now he came back. Yeah. And it's really hard for people to grasp, but th- it's the gospel in the nutshell. Yeah. We do nothing. It's all Jesus. And it was just so prevalent growing up, and I'd never heard it him refer to as Dismas before. But when that story was told from, you know, Christian grade school all the way on up, that this was something special. This was something that, again, we can, one off. we can explain this a hundred different ways that probably don't have any biblical foundation. But just knowing what we know, we have to assume there had to be more to this than just this. And it was an anomaly. And well, you're sitting next to Jesus. So Jesus is God. He can do whatever he wants. But that doesn't mean that this is what salvation means. And that always conflicted me to the point where I'm like, if it's not what it means, then it's not what I think it is. Then it's really not what I want. And I think that's where, for me personally, this story always hits home really hard. And I was so happy that Ellie, my oldest daughter, was impacted by it as well, because I think this is something that you have to get right. And the sooner you get this part or you understand the story to the best of your ability as it relates to salvation, the better off your walk is going to be from the get-go. Well, and I am so pleased and flattered that it affected Ellie that way. The the fact that she, and she said something to me after the service uh, as well. I'm thrilled that she's talking about it. I tried hard in the sermon because Typically, when somebody tells a story like this in a Christian setting, they always want to throw in a caveat to say, but don't try this. <laughs> it's like, don't try this at <laughs> so home. Don't, get, you know? don't do this. <laughs> right. And I want to try hard, really hard not to do that because the Bible doesn't do that. Yeah. And the, the Bible leaves the, the story, it's the, story the Bible tells. Yeah. And I just think it's super important for us to understand that extravagance of grace. There was, I wish I could remember who it was. I'm thinking it was Charles Swindoll, but it was him or or one of his contemporaries who said that the gospel hasn't been preached until it's been abused. And it's, uh, you know, I'll I'll let people think about that a little bit, but, but I believe that it's true. The scandal of the cross and the scandalous nature of what Christ did for us is so extreme that even those of us that believe, we hear it and we have to try and add something to it. And at the same time, I encourage everybody, don't add anything to it. Don't add it. If Dismas can make a bold ask for himself, okay, with all he was and the life he lived, that should give 
us a freedom and a calming of our fears. Wrap us in the assurance that John 3.16 is 100% truth without adding any words to that verse either. That whosoever believes will be saved and shall not perish. And that works does not equal salvation because there was no, there's no mention of it there. There's no, there's no mention of it here in this story. So that gives me, and my understanding of it now, that gives me an assurance that every day might not be the best day. It may not end on a great note. There may be lots of bumps in the road, but in the end, Jesus is our friend and he's on our side. As we're past running out of time, I knew it was going to be long because there was lots to go over and our voicemail, but what's the one thing that left the biggest impression on you while you were preparing for this message that you would want to leave with anyone listening? The one thing that's the most important, maybe we've already covered it. Well, it's, it's simple and you've heard it a hundred times. I would like to give three, but you asked for one. You can get, go three. How about two? We'll compromise. All right, we'll compromise. One that some people have mentioned to me, and I think is a little bit of a unique perspective is the idea of God reaching out to his son, Jesus, through the thief. It's a picture of a loving God. Yeah, It's a picture of a God loving his son. So again, I, and I mentioned in the sermon that was speculation. I can't point to a, sure. a Bible verse, but it fits with the vision that I have of God. Yeah. So I enjoyed arriving at that insight or that conviction. Sure. But then the, the deeper one that... You've all heard is Jesus loves you <laughs> and he likes you and he wants to hang out with you. I like simple. And it's about him. Yeah. Excellent. One of our FHE takeaways, which was also derived from the mind and the hand and the or the typing of John Monday, why was the thief able to see Christ for who he really was when nobody else could, not even his disciples? Now here's another one. I want you, this is deeper than what it sounds like. I immediately kind of passed it over, and then I came back to it, and I passed it over, and I came back to it. We always pick one every week, and it seemed really cut and dry as I read it the first time. There's so many things to consider. I came away with more questions than I did answers, or at least things that I'm just not sure how it fits. But contrasting the rich young ruler and Dismas, one is seemingly looking for maybe an easier or righteous answer, an item to add to a list on the quest of perfection of the law. The other knew about the Messiah, knew more about the Messiah, than his station in life would suggest. And while desperation was likely a contributing factor to his timing, he was less concerned with the what and realized the who, which was the most important. There is hope for us when we realize it is not the what we need, but the who. So why do you think Dismas was able to see Christ when others couldn't? If you have an idea or if you have some thoughts on that, maybe I'm wrong, maybe John's wrong, maybe we're right, maybe you agree. Leave a voicemail or send a text to 407-965-1607 or email podcast at hospitalchurch.org. And just like the beginning of this podcast, if you want to send us a voicemail or text, we'll read it or play it on next week's podcast. So our final thoughts from John's message, quoting our very own Andy McDonald, or maybe quoting isn't the right word, maybe paraphrasing. From this day into eternity, may we never know a time that we didn't know Jesus as our friend. Amen. Amen. So please, please, please don't miss this week's message in our mobile app or hospitalchurch.org. There was so much we weren't able to cover and to hear it straight from John's voice made it all the more impactful. I read the outline, but then when I went and listened to it, it was twice the sermon in person as it was on paper. So you don't want to miss out on this message if you don't have to. Upcoming this week, it'll be Greg Creek, no stranger to the podcast, and he'll be bringing us The Bold Ask by a Leper. 
that's going to do it for this week. Thank you again to Connie Schneider for sharing your bold ask and for sharing the message and podcast with your family and to John Monday for a great message and for taking the time to be here today. So as always, do join us next Wednesday for episode 147. Thanks for listening and have a great week.